Welcome to UUCSW Reflections, a podcast by the Unitarian Universalist Congregational Society of Westboro, Massachusetts. We're glad you're here. Welcome to UUCSW Reflections. I'm your host, Amanda Hall, here with Reverend Laurel Gray. This is the monthly episode of this podcast where we reflect on recent sermon themes and answer questions from the congregation. If you'd like to submit a question, please email it to podcasts at uucsw.org. Be sure to say which sermon your question is about, if applicable, and don't worry, we won't share the names or identifying information about any question askers on this podcast. In this episode, we'll be discussing the sermons Just Love and Together Still, both of which can be found in this podcast feed. Hi, Laurel. Hi, Amanda. How are you? Good. It's March, which is surprising. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Like, already? Yeah, it's my birth month. Your favorite month? It's my birth month. I was born in March, so. I was born in February. (laughs) Oh, well, what did you do for your birthday? Well, you know, there was like a war that started, so it was a little bit of a yeah. <laughs> and Honestly, it was, that's fair. Yeah. We were going to go out for dinner, but then there was also a blizzard, so it was just sort of one of those days mm. of like, okay, well. We're just going to take the L, put this one in the L column. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, well, we tried. Okay. Well, um, I did successfully age, so, I mean, <laughs> go me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, did you age or did your body age in terms of the Cartesian dualism? Wow. Which we'll talk about in a minute. <laughs> My soul got younger. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's so, f- I mean, I want to get into it. I have a lot of feelings and not a lot of thoughts. So let's see how that Great. translates to words. Tell me your tell me um, your thoughts and feelings. Well, so basically, oh, so should what I I'm give talking you about. A church, should I do my church update yeah. first? Yes, you now should. I'm just cutting you off. We're so no. practiced at this. Um, Do it. This is a good question. What is my church update? We had our first in-person services, which Yay. was amazing. And like a remarkable number of people showed up. Um, and it was amazing. a pretty good like in-person online split. So it was like clearly our efforts to make this multi like accessible um, is worth it and and is valued um and i think on the first sunday back we had four new people because so many people moved in the last two years and it was like people who moved to westboro during the pandemic um or surrounding area so that was really exciting um and and good to see people who've been like totally zoomed out understandably and we're just kind of waiting for (laughs) Mm -hmm. when when we would come back in person um there was a hilarious moment when, so on Zoom, we have not been doing postludes because we go straight from like church to then breakout rooms for like coffee hour. Um, mm-hmm. And we didn't think, we were like, didn't foresee that in the sanctuary, not having that last piece of music meant that everyone just stayed in their pews and waited for it. <laughs> 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 Which was one of those like, oh, oh right, social conditioning, right, you're you aren't you're not gonna leave while Kayla's playing but she doesn't play right now so we're gonna start doing postludes again I had a really funny conversation with Kayla 
when I explained the like I think I started like waving my arms. <laughs> <laughs> Get out. Like, Don't worry, it's over now. <laughs> You're not being rude. Um, Stop being spiritual. Get out of yeah. here. <laughs> it was just like so funny. Um, oh my gosh. And like two years later, everyone sat in the same pews. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's amazing and so funny. Um so that was What really do you think good. people are going to sit somewhere new? <laughs> I know. Dare I dare I think, right? No, oh our in, our bespoke grooves are in all of those individual pews. I know. So that was really good and sweet. Um and so it that it's like happening. We're doing it. We're doing in-person services. The next question is when music will um be live. Um, so that's a conversation. Because of the singing? Yeah. So that's a conversation we'll have at the board meeting tonight. Um, so to be continued. Um, what are well, other... that's super cool. Yeah. The Community Collaborative launched, which is like the Circle RE um, program is the three congregations doing joint programming for kids and young people. Um, and the Community Collaborative is like, a bigger version of that for adult programming. And so that's six congregations um, that are sort of like pooling our efforts um, to offer programs that, you know, like if each minister teaches something, then all the congregations have a much wider variety of options. Um, So that's been really fun. I've been teaching coming of age for adults, which has been great. Um, And people are already asking if I'm going to teach it next year. Which is really funny. So probably yes. Um, so this is an ongoing partnership um, where w- that will continue. So next year there will be um, like a different round of classes. This year there have been things like my coming of age class. Um, there's a class on death rituals, which also has been like very well attended and sounds really fascinating. Um, there's been a parenting support group. Um, there was a social justice film series in February every Sunday. Um, and then there have been a series of theology lectures. So it's just a really interesting, like, different ways to connect and meet other UUs um, when it's still snowing out and you don't really want to, like, drive half an hour. Um, mm-hmm. So it's all on Zoom. So to be continued. But it's it's cool that our, like, Zooming capacity has has made connecting across distances um, like there's so many more possibilities in that. So good stuff. Fun time. Yay. Yeah. That is very exciting. Yeah. Okay. Now you tell me your thoughts and feelings. <laughs> <laughs> well, so basically I, I mean the, the sermon, there's only two sermons this month. One of yeah, which was February basically is so short. Yeah. Walking around the chapel. Yeah, um, yeah. So that the first Sunday in person was really focused on like this is <laughs> kind of significant. So we're gonna yeah. Like I had people do a walking meditation and spend like five minutes walking around and and just like being in the space, because um, it is a little bit of a time capsule still. Um, yeah. So that was nice. But yeah. So so the the sort of more sermony service was the Valentine's Day service. Yeah. So. You want to talk about it? And yes, I do. <laughs> I'm do I want to talk about it today? You want to talk about Cartesian it? dualism? <laughs> yes. Well, it's like 
So something that I always both love and feel very deeply unsettled by is when I am, when a cultural assumption that I took to be a biological and natural assumption is revealed to me as cultural. Um, Fascinating. Yeah. By which I mean, like, Cartesian dualism, like the fact that your mind and body are separate, like the fact that you consider your yourself and your body to be distinct in some way. I like the fact that that is a culturally ingrained distinction um, is very like, oh, yeah, like it makes sense when you think about it. But right. It's it's underpins so much of how we operate and talk about our existence Right. Which is also then, right, so tied up in, like, um, not listening to embodied knowing and intuition and, like, you know, your, like, emotional terrain is also informed by, like, your microbiome. (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, it is. It just is. Yeah. Like, you, you you can't pull a head and a body apart and say it's still alive. Right. But that, but like the fact that people, they're like one of the like futuristic sci fi, like something in the cultural imagination is being able to like upload your consciousness into a computer so you can live forever. Yeah. Right. Like you've heard about this, right? As a. No, that sounds terrifying. Like <laughs> technological. Well, I guess are, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is sort of like a, a movie idea. Of, right. Like. Yeah, but or people freezing have, yourself like, and being able to. Be but as back AI to it. has yeah. gotten better, I feel like there was a period, like maybe this was in the nineties or eighties. I or will something. confess, this stuff kind of creeps me out, so I kind of ignore it. Which is well, it's like, extremely, <laughs> it's very hyper dystopian. Yes, like, would you want to exist forever? Like, ooh. I remember reading Ben. Is it? Was it? It's not Benjamin Button. There's some other movie about, like, The Fountain of Eternal Youth, a book that I remember reading in elementary school and just having, like, the creeps. Like, this is terrible. Yeah. No, no. Living forever sounds horrible. But I think, (laughs) I think. This is a weird start. (laughs) But dying also sounds horrible to a lot of people. Like, that existential horror of dying if you don't believe with 100% certainty that you're going to go to some kind of, like, heaven afterlife yeah, that involves your consciousness continuing to exist in some fashion. Yeah. Like, the crushing weight of nothingness that... Uh, I read a really interesting article, like, probably five years ago now. I think it was in the New York Times that one of my friends who's a vet sent me, so, like, very sciencey minded And it was about the idea of um, believing in an afterlife or life after death and reframing it as this belief that even after you die, there will still be more life in the world, which I thought was a really beautiful um, and like it felt very like palatable to like atheist you use it to me mm-hmm. that like there doesn't need to be this sense of heaven but there is a sense that you're part of something that continues after you um so sidebar <laughs> yeah i mean i 
it's weird, right? Because like the concept of so living again is a loaded term, but like people <laughs> who believe formally in an afterlife where their soul mm-hmm. and consciousness goes yep. do believe that in some form they will be living forever. Um, oh, that's an like, interesting. Right? I would say you no. Do, you don't agree? Oh, I would not call okay. that living. Well, because it's an afterlife. It's like the after party to life. <laughs> but if you're existing, if your consciousness, if your soul. But you're still not alive, right? Because right. Well, so this is an interesting question, though, because I remember. So there are all these um, like biblical. Um, it's I think it's Thess- Thessalonians one and two. There, there are different descriptions of uh, the expectations of like the second coming. Um, and there was this <laughs> phase when it was like the Y2K thing when mm-hmm. I'm going to get this slightly wrong. I think it was Paul, the apostle. Um, people were like going around and like selling their houses and getting rid of their possessions and just like stopped working because like the Jesus was supposed to return and everyone was going to get like lifted into the skies and it causes problem because everyone stopped living their lives. And so then there's sort of this, like, this apostle had to go around and, like, no, no, like, it's coming, but, like, not that soon. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so, like, just, just like, keep keep on going. And there's this whole description of, um, like, bodies being raised into the sky. And that is sort of, like, everyone, um, clearly I read this, like, once in... in my bible class and i was like whoa um but there's this sort of idea of like you'll be raised to the heavens and so i had really interesting conversations with my classmates in this class because they were like well so then is the body that you go to heaven in is it the body that you died in does it get younger if you've decayed and i was like flabbergasted because this is a thing that I had I had never applied like materiality to the idea of afterlives and heaven and souls and I was so it was like my brain exploded that this was even like an idea that existed in the world of theological concepts um, that also made their minds explode (laughs) so like there was no resolution Mm -hmm. right these are all like stories and theories and and belief systems that that are told through stories um but it was just fascinating but like i yeah i think this is such an interesting question i don't think the sort of eternity of heaven concept i don't think that's being alive right i would say no because you're not in a body and okay, so imper- you like you're not attached to impermanence. But here's my question. <laughs> you got to have the carpe diem factor. <laughs> Theoretically. So based in I mean I know obviously this varies a lot like person to person and mm-hmm. theologically whatever. Yeah. In like the like mains like Catholic heaven. Right. <laughs> This might be outside of my <laughs> scope, of under- scope of knowing. Okay, like, continue. Do other people in heaven perceive you? 
we need a priest for this one. <laughs> I don't like, know anything about thing, Catholic like, doctrine. Or, okay, like, so some I would kind say of the, heaven. So I would say, like, having... So when people talk about death, especially, like, I've witnessed this at a lot of funerals that are both UU and non-UU funerals. Um, and there's a lot of the, like, they'll be together again in heaven kind of talking about afterlife. Um, and the frequency of that kind of statement to me suggests that there is a, like, there is an idea that you would be perceived and others would perceive you. So your, your soul takes some perceptible form that interacts with other perceptible forms. But presumably they're well, form, not, I mean, they're not like forms, material bodies. Yeah, I was going to say form suggests form. <laughs> like materiality. <laughs> but this is right. what I'm asking. Like, is there any kind of... Like, do people conceive of materiality as continuing to exist in heaven? Well, I think, like, like, given... I'm thinking back to a specific conversation I had with one of my classmates who was telling me about this, like, people do truly believe, which is why some people don't believe in cremation, um, that, like, your body will physically be raised out of the ground. Which, would, to me, was, like, I, I had... I grew up UU, right? Like, I had never heard of this concept. Um, so, and I mean, there are other, like now we should have the ministers who are teaching like the death and burial classes, but there, um, there like are, are different cultures where the dead are taken out every year and like their mummified bodies are like cared for and, and redressed and celebrated. Um, so there's at least got to be a really wide swath of ideas about, sort of the material body and the continued existence of, I don't know, a spirit. Yeah, because I think, I mean, this is definitely, like, highlighting ignorance that I have on this topic. Like, theologically, what, like, is the experience of being in heaven, a soul in heaven? Like, do you have senses? Can you see? Can you smell? Like... I think that, like, all of those would be possibilities. Poss like, yeah. all of those are possible theologies. So how is it different? <laughs> to give you the most you, you answer. From being alive. Like, how is that not being alive? Like, how is that? <laughs> um, I mean, I am not of the lineage of those kinds of belief systems, so I can't yeah. describe them for you. Um, so I join you in your wondering. <laughs> I mean, okay, so let's not use the word live, but some kind of like existing in a for eternity. Yeah. Like unceasing existence in so some I will, stripe. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking back to the, the I gave a sermon, um, I think it was two Decembers ago about Advent, um, and I took this systematics theology class, which is basically like we were looking at all these doctrines and how they fit together. So they're they're like specific um, ideas about specific kinds of theologies that sort of fit together to form like a whole 
um, theological worldview. Um, and so it's like the doctrine of creation is like sort of the set of beliefs and ideas and understandings about like a specific thing, which then is tied to, right, like a whole scope of other things. And it was fascinating to me and like again sort of blew my mind um this class was taught by um dr willie jenkins who is this amazing man um and i once a congregant asked me for a resource and i sent them one of his lectures and they were like <laughs> i'm glad you translated this because i didn't understand it <laughs> so mm -hmm. he's like a genius um but it was fascinating to me because we were talking about the trinity and obviously right like unitarian i was like this is i don't understand um like we were literally called unitarians because we questioned this idea that's where the whole unitarian thing came from because we like didn't believe enough in the divinity of jesus um but there was one of the tas was teaching this class and she was talking about how in a trinitarian theology um this is like very condensed and summarized, but basically if God is three in one, like Father, Son, Holy Spirit, then God is comprised of connection. Like the materiality of God is connection. And if you think about it that way, um, like ideas like heaven become, I don't know, like more feasible to me or something, because it's like if, if it's all comprised of connection, right? Perception is about like embodied sensory things. But if the thing that it's actually com comprised of is connection, then we're not stuck in this like, do you need a physical body in order to be part of some like transcendent mystery? Hmm. I feel like we are lost in the sunset right now. <laughs> Well, <laughs> as I look at the purple clouds out my window. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like this, like, all of this comes down to, like, making a distinction between, like, who you are, like, your soul and what you have, like, your body. Yeah. Like, if your body is not who you are, it's what you have, then, like, that is an undermining. But I like, also th think, like, who you are is so informed by right. your sensory experience and the way the world responds to you and the, and like the way that you yeah. grow and shift with that. Um, well, and I agree. So like, I think neither of us would say that we're like died in the wool Cartesian duelists. Oh um, no, I'm like very not. <laughs> right. But like a lot of Western Well, and I will say too, Cartesian is. dualism, like for me specifically, like, I had a brain injury and didn't, like, I would wake up and not know what decade I was living in and, like, or what words my brain had, like, lost in, like, in conversation. And so, and I think that experience broke me from this idea because I'd totally grown up in this, like, you're good because you get A's in everything. Mm -hmm. um, and if you lose your mind in that kind of way where, like, literally in an instant I became incoherent. Um, you have to have a better sense of your value than you, like, you are worthy of life because you think. Because mm -hmm. that's not good enough. And it means all kinds of really, like, the the implications of that kind of value system are really horrible. 
Um, and they're like so insidiously ingrained in culture, right? Returning to the thing that's cultural and not physical. Yeah. It's like when um, in, there's a biblical story about Moses like seeing a burning bush and it's this encounter between Moses and God and Moses is one of the first people that sees God and doesn't like basically spontaneously explode <laughs> and like get just like destroyed by the direct experience of God. Um, and so Moses asks God's name and the response is this, um, it's been translated to Yahweh, but it's like sort of translates like essentially to this like non-sentence of I am that I am. Um, which again is sort of this, like, I don't know, being like the sacredness of beingness, which is not tied mm. to, right? Like you love the right people, right? Returning to the sexuality sermon or like you have the right kind of body or your mind has the right kind of genius. Um, so I mean, the, yeah, and this is another, um, cart, like, cultural <laughs> assumption that yeah. is kind of funny is, like, sexuality and sexual orientation being a thing. Um, <laughs> like... <laughs> Elaborate. Well, because, so, like, Foucault wrote an entire, like... Oh, my gosh. This is, I'm, like... This is turning me back to, like, <laughs> when I was 21. It was not recently. <laughs> well, I mean, essentially, like, <laughs> so, the, like, the way that we define, like, sexual orientation and sexuality mm -hmm. as, like, a thing yeah. separate, like, distinct in its own way from other parts of itself, enough to have words to talk, like, yeah. enough to have words about it. So it's, like, enough of its own phenomenon within yeah. our identity and self to talk about it. Like that, like the idea of being gay or being straight or being bi yeah. or being whatever of those other things as like an identity label is pretty recent, culturally speaking. Yeah, totally. Like yeah, that like last 200 years. And that is very, and it's kind of like an arbitrary way to think about it because yeah. like other ways. So for example, like, the way that we typically categorize that is, like, rooted in, like, the object of our attraction. So, yeah. like, yeah. my sexuality is defined by the person to whom I'm attracted. It's right? external, right. Right, but which it's like means if you're in a relationship that, like, doesn't look like – it's like, are you really – insert whatever yeah. – if you're in a relationship with this person. And it's also like, so it's defined by the object of attraction. There's plenty of other like organizing principles that you could yeah. categorize people around, even in that thing. Like yeah. in ancient Greece, it was categorized by power dynamics and like oh. penetration or not. <laughs> like, Interesting. Huh. So like it, it wasn't yeah. like, Right, but point you being, know, like, our our current notions of these things, like, are not static, and they're not... Yeah. Like, we take them for granted when they actually... Like, when you can't take them for granted. 
Right. Right. Exactly. Like you can categorize it by like receptive or penetrative roles. Like that was really how they did it in like other cultures. And then like also, I mean, gender stuff too is just very different, different cultures. Like all of the, there's a lot of like Indian like lore about gods that change sex or gender or whatever um it just like remembering that the concept of sexuality and like in particular sexual orientation like i think there's a lot of rhetoric in the gay liberation movement that's like this is a like such a central part of my identity that like i can't change it if i want to because i was like born this way and it's intrinsic Yeah. And I don't think that's we necessarily did play not born this true. Way by Lady Gaga <laughs> as the prelude to the service for those of you who aren't there. Sidebar. And it's like <laughs> I don't think that's necessarily untrue. Yeah. I mean it's Well, but that's but, like anything that you hold as core to your identity. Like that's about self perception. Right. And the way that and you that make sense is of not yourself in a bubble. In, right, right. Because it's about the way that you make sense of yourself in society so if society says this thing is really important right then it it becomes this this sort of key notable thing about you so i i mean it's funny because there's also a and i what i think is a little bit misguided attempt to say that like queerness is natural because like (laughs) two dolphins with what we call penises have sex or something (laughs) and then we're like look dolphins are gay so it's natural for humans to be gay it's like i mean i did hear a story about two you know quote-unquote gay penguins who adopted an egg and i did find it extremely heartwarming and like those dolphins are okay those penguins are not gay gay is something humans invented those like penguins are not gay you can't be a gay penguin like they don't have consciousness no not because not because like maybe they have consciousness we don't know but because they're not humans we're not gay gay is a thing that humans invented there's no reason to believe that like that has any meaning in penguin culture the concept of gayness oh organized by who zoologist. you cohabitate with. <laughs> like, so. Do like, what are the odds? believe in penguins being gay? <laughs> but, like, what are the odds that that is the organizing principle that they would choose, right? Like, maybe Very their low. criteria. Yeah, like, maybe their criteria for how they differentiate each other is by, like, what angle they keep their paw at or whatever. Penguins don't have paws. <laughs> They're the but you know what I mean? Like, feathers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like maybe they differentiate each other in like these totally different ways. Yeah. And like the ways that we happen to have chosen to differentiate each other are like made up. Arbitrary. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? That's kind of why like so astrology is having a huge comeback, especially in the queer community. Yep. And it's like people make fun of it like well it's kind of funny to think about yourself as a Pisces and like it's honestly like no more arbitrary than (laughs) having some kind of like cultural assumption around like blondes have more fun or yep like why not you know I mean it's just like all of it is arbitrary like yeah it's like of course astrology is like 
fake, but it's fake in the way that all human constructs well, are fake. Well, I, I will say... Money is fake, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Wait, what? <laughs> Money is fake, too. Like, yeah, this everything is, is fake. Everything is a social construct, guys. <laughs> so... It's just an, like, I think of astrology as just an invitation to think about, like, how you move through the world. And, interesting, you know, that is yeah. what it is. Yeah. But also there's this, like, <laughs> assumption. Really <laughs> there's just, like, also this stereotype that, like, gay people drink iced coffee. Like, <laughs> where does that come from? Like, it's not, like, That's a hateful hilarious. stereotype. Just, That's like, a really gay good people. Question have decided that like iced coffee is gay yeah and it's like that's fine like it's fun we're all having fun (laughs) but like we made all of this up yeah (laughs) anyway asymmetrical haircuts on on people that present as female Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) Anyway, I don't have a point. I'm just like we're just here for the. <laughs> the but mind there's some explosions. things. I mean, and there's some things that people like do. There's some social constructs that we're used to pointing out are being social constructs. Like we're used to saying that like race is a social construct, yeah, yeah, gender is yeah. a social construct. Yeah. Like the fact that your mind and body are distinct being a social concept is not something that I think about all that much. So that got me thinking about that a lot. Well, and there's, especially like with things like diet culture, there's this like, you should be able to control your body as if it's like, as if your body's not you. (laughs) Right. And as if it's some like separate entity, I was going to be like, like you should control your dog. And then I was like, no, my dog does not is not into being controlled, right? Because it has, like, a mind of its own. Um, yeah. Which would also be true for bodies. But it's not its own mind. It's just your mind. <laughs> and, like, the concept of, in the, in a dietary sense, like, quote-unquote willpower. Yeah. No. Like, that's not real. Because your body will protect you. Yeah. It will. Like, physically, the, like, knowledge of your body and drive of your body overrides. Yeah. Like, right. because, what's coming from your brain we're, like, to, survive. to survive. Right. So, like... <laughs> we're just talking... We're saying the same things at the same mm-hmm. time. Even your yeah. mom won't be able to tell us apart. <laughs> Hi, Mom. Hi, Kim. Thanks for listening. <laughs> and everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think everyone else has turned this off by now. You know, flying through the sky, wondering about our bodies in heaven. Well, it's so funny because, like, so there's this, like, (laughs) comedy. Okay, first of all, they're not gay penguins. Penguins can't be gay. But are they, are they adoptive parents? (laughs) Adoption is not (laughs) real. (laughs) That's the thing humans made up. It's all a social construct. Wow. We've just really gotten Um, to the bottom of things here. I think we fixed it. Is there anything broken? I don't remember. But I remember, so there's, in this podcast I listened to, they, like, it's like a comedy advice podcast, and, like, as kind of a joke, so someone, like, submitted a question that was, like, why do you have to get injections, like, in your butt? Like, why can't I just get them in my arm? 
Huh. And one of the hosts was like, well, I mean, I feel like your butt's kind of far away from you. <laughs> and <laughs> like, it's further away from you than your arm. And like the other people on the podcast are like, what are you saying? And he was like, well, you know, it's just like, feels like kind of further away from you. <laughs> like, yeah. like, that is like, mean? The, but that's like, so Cartesian dualism. Yeah, it and he's is. like, right. Me, like I exist in my head and my butt yeah. is further away from my head than my shoulder. Right. So like, right. it's further away from me, even though it's, it's all me. Still me. <laughs> That's yeah. really funny. Anyway, it's not relevant. But it's just like, you know. <laughs> and then people were like talking, like looking at him like he's an idiot. But he's not. He's just like a Cartesian dualist because he was raised. Cartesian dualism. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Which then like if, anyway. if thinking makes you exist, then like when you're sleeping, have you ceased to exist? These are good questions. Well, your it's brain is still... Your brain is still processing <laughs> when you're asleep. It's going through important processes. But is it thinking? Well, is thinking is social construct. <laughs> Maybe it's. <laughs> it might be dreaming. Oh, we've gone in a in a grand old <laughs> meandering circle. <laughs> yeah. So, is there any other theology you want to talk about? <laughs> I feel like we should now do some like embodied breathing to get out of our like (laughs) floating in the clouds like it's all a social construct man Mm. (laughs) well it is man (laughs) yeah but apparently me talking about sex from the pulpit like really no one batted an eye (laughs) no not are you kidding in this church I know well still Right, but but this whole but like Cartesian dualism, the like our Unitarian roots of, you know, thinking and I mean I was talking about this to someone else earlier this week that um, UU ministers used to and some still do wear PhD robes as their clergy robes um, because of this idea that our authority comes from our academic degrees versus like Christians who wear albs. As their clergy wear, albs are a symbol of baptism. And so their authority for what they do comes from their baptism, which is like, so we like laugh and, and we are like, culturally as a tradition, like really in our heads. But also doesn't your authority come from the congregation, not from your degree? Your ordination comes from the congregation. But But in your ordination, your authority? This is a good question. Currently, to get ordained, you have to have a degree. And I think historically. So it's like, it's necessary, but not sufficient. Like, you still need to be ordained by the congregation to have, like, the authority. This is true. Touche. So it's not, yeah, I mean, it's not That's just That's when you get a stole, that. though. <laughs> if we're putting okay, well, you like... can wear a stole with your PhD robes. Yeah. Hmm... I would say more that your permission comes from the congregation. Like your permission to... Like you've been invited into a relationship by the ordination. Like you can't be someone's minister unless they welcome that of you. But I think like 
I think that's the same thing, though. Like, I think <laughs> that's a distinction without a difference. Like, I think that is... Is this, like, turning into debate Authority club? still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who knows? It's a mystery. Well, let's end on a mysterious <laughs> note. And next month, we have um, Members and Friends Sunday. Which Exciting. is relevant because to be a UU, you do not need to undergo transformation. So we do not have conversion because we do not believe that to belong, you need to change. Um, so really, <laughs> becoming a member of a UU congregation, um, because... Unitarian congregations were like historically the town centers and so like town meetings happened at the church and they were one in the same. So becoming a member of the congregation was also how you had a vote in the town um, and were eligible to serve in elected positions. Um, and so wow. now still like officially becoming a member of a UU congregation um, is essentially registering to vote and becoming eligible to serve in public office. Now it's within the congregation, right? Not like within the town of Westboro. Mm -hmm. Um, But that again is like a very different, that like sort of the official belonging is a very different thing than um, like a belonging of conversion or a belonging of baptism. Um, So you know, interesting things to think about. So we're going to have Membership Sunday, Members and Friends, because in the same vein, you do not have to become a member to belong because you do not have to vote and you do not have to serve public office to be like a member of the community in the sort of non-technical sense. Um, So Members and Friends Sunday, there will be flowers. So come if you would like a flower and a blessing in person. Obviously, everyone will get a blessing, even if they're on the internet. Um, And then the following Sunday is Celebration Sunday, a.k.a. Pledge Kickoff Sunday. So. All right. There we go. And then it'll be Easter after that, which is wild. Exciting. (laughs) We continue. All right. We march on. Mm -hmm. In our bodies. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Great. And now well, we sign off. Everyone, <laughs> peace out. Listen to your embodied wisdom and listen just to your say body, no to Cartesian dualism. Eat a snack, drink some water, and I'm take gonna a do nap. that right now. Yeah. I'm going to eat dinner before the board meeting. Go that team. Is, like, that is the blessing if I've ever heard one. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. For more information about what's happening at UUCSW or for ways to get involved, visit us online at uucsw.org. All are welcome.